Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Cal Wing. Hello. Sir Bruce Fitzpatrick. Hello. And don't forget you can always get in touch with us at, at Cookie Jar Golf on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Today we are joined by a man who's taken pretty much every iconic photograph in golf for the last 38 years. And that might not even be an exaggeration. Although now essentially a golf specialist, he's worked in many sports, photographing since 1979 when he snuck his first camera on at the Open in Royal Lytham and St. Anne's. Recognized as one of the leading golf photographers in the world, he's photographed over 120 men's majors, copious Ryder Cups, every Solheim Cup ever played, Walker Cups, and over 500 tournaments around the globe, including photographing our very own Bruce Fitzpatrick in the President's Putter in January this year. He's also photographed at the Summer and Winter Olympic Games, along with the World Cup football tournaments and other major sporting events. Alongside this phenomenal photography career, he's authored books about courses and worked directly with many leading golfers on instruction books. We're so lucky to get him on the pod, and if you haven't guessed it already, it's David Cannon. David, welcome to the show. Yeah, very good to be here. In strange times. <laughs> How are you coping during the lockdown? What are you getting up to? I'm just sitting at home, being very well behaved. Um, my lovely wife has been out shopping, so I've hardly left the house. I mean, the only time I leave the house is with the dogs and uh, a, a very rampant wanting to play sport nine-year-old. So that's about <laughs> a limit of our... We, do, we are very lucky. We live on the, on the edge of some beautiful woods, so we've got lovely places to walk. So we're very, very lucky. And are you getting your uh, photography kick in? Are you getting any wildlife photography or anything? No, but I've just, I've just purchased a drone which is um, a new thing for me. So uh, I've been practicing that up and down the field and in and out of the woods. And You plan uh, on getting that up at some of the PGA events? No, not the PGA. <laughs> it's course photography mainly because yeah. my lovely hobby in amongst all the tournaments is um, photographing courses. So they're an amazing tool for um, not having to, you know, get helicopters basically. Absolutely. Well, you've got a few uh, course books, haven't you? Yeah, I've done two big landscape course books and I'm itching to do another one, but the publishers at the moment are a bit reticent to spend any money. Yeah, it's tough so I'm taking, it um, I'm taking you to use that drone at uh, Royal St. George's a couple of weeks ago. I did indeed, yeah. I, yeah. I saw that, yeah, and Rye. <laughs> yeah, and Rye as well, yeah. That's my new toy. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be more than a toy, I can assure you. It's a pretty extra extraordinary for a small thing. It's very very small but it's quality is incredible mm. brilliant are you well, using then, the I, um you using the drones where you can attach your own cameras or are you using the no no i just, just basic the mavic tubes yeah so um yeah i'm not, you know i'm not fully trained yet i've got to do this course well i'm supposed to be in june i'm doing the course so i can legally use it commercially so oh great well um i guess if we head back to the beginning of your sort of incredible story in golf mm. and in sports photography um yeah what is it that kind of brought you to the game how did you first how did you first get involved with golf am i, I right in thinking you had quite a strong amateur career in your own right you were maybe fringes of the england team yeah i was yeah i got i got to um a scratch handicap in the uh, sort of early 70s 73 when i left school 
and um, I'd played golf, well, hit balls since I was about two years old. I remember oh, wow. thundering, ball, thundering balls around my dad's garden in Ascot and smashing windows at about three years old with his <laughs> brand new Dunlop 65s that I'd unwrapped. So <laughs> not a very popular boy that day, but um, yeah, no, so I'd hit, hit balls, but then I played a lot of cricket at school, so I wasn't really into golf until, I suppose, 15. Okay. And then uh, I stopped the cricket and started playing lots of golf and I've had a brilliant life in golf, basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did you, am I right in thinking you started initially with, with all sport and and it was kind of yeah, a general yeah, yeah. photography role? Had photography always been a passion of yours when you were growing up? Or? Well, no. The, the funny thing is the only, only sort of clue you could clue about my being a photographer Becoming a photographer was um, my boarding school study. The wall was plastered with sports pictures rather than naked ladies or pop stars. <laughs> so, you know, and I used to cut religiously cut decent, you can imagine black and white in those days as well, you know, pictures out of newspapers and stick them all over the wall. Mm. And they were always the sports pictures, a lot of golf pictures. Tony Jacklin was my sort of boyhood hero at that stage. And so um, I picked up my first camera, serious camera, um, probably when I was about, I suppose, 75, 76, when I was beginning to realise I wasn't going to be a golfer or the sort of golfer that I wanted to be. And um, my sister lent me, she had a little Zenit camera, and I just took some pictures of a girlfriend who needed some pictures for Leicester Graphic magazine. She was a golfer. And I took them and they used them and... it was you know that was where the the seeds were sown basically and then i was very lucky to um, meet some superbly helpful people so first was neville chadwick who um he was in charge of uh, the photographic side of leicester news service and um he he became a really 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 good friend and um very early on, I'd sort of asked him, I said, look, any chance of coming to a Tigers game or a Leicester City football game? And he said, of course, you can sit in the corner, look after my cameras while I run the line, which was actually in East Midlands, East Midlands versus the All Blacks. I'm not sure whether it was 78 or 77, the winter of, but I remember sitting there with my, I had a Canon AE1 at that stage, and um he said, two t- I'll give you two tips. And I said, oh, yeah. He said, um, focus on the eyes and try and fill the frame. And those two tips to this day have been so important. You know, if you look at a photograph, the first thing that your eyes are drawn to is the eyes of the subject. Mm. And if they're not in focus, then the picture's no good, basically. So that's a critical thing to remember. And, um, yeah, he was fantastic and, uh, you know, we went back to in those days you couldn't send pictures from the side of a picture or anything like that you had to send films back to a processing lab and um, he had a lab in his office and we drove back after the game and he said where are your rolls of film and i wasn't expecting to get them processed so i've got two spare reels so i had to, I shot a roll and a half i think sat in the corner and i did remember a, a particular moment you know when the scrum half hooks the ball out of the uh, it's back of a scrum and this massive all black was just about flat and less Clus- Cusworth. And I remember going click at this particular time and uh, thinking oh, that might be a nice picture. And 
he comes out of the dark room whistling away he said that's a nice picture he said uh, i'm going to send that to the to the newspaper and i said well that's that's great he said i can't put your name on it because it's all nuj um controlled and they weren't allowed to receive pictures from non-nuj people and um phoned me up the next morning and said go and get the sunday express <laughs> there yeah. it was on the back of wow. yeah in the back of the sunday wow. express have you still got that paper no no i mean i was terrible with, with cuttings in those days um i've got a few bits but none of those but i've probably still got the negative of that somewhere lurking around in the back of up in the loft or somewhere but um yeah so I, you know i was i had a job then i'd sort of been given a job through my dad as they do, their fathers help you out. And um, he'd got me a job with a nylon sheet company in Leicester, which was, it was part-time to start off with. So I was able to work in the in the winter, pretty much full-time, earn some money to play golf. And instead of playing golf, I was using it to buy cameras, basically. And, um, yeah, so that's how I got going. And then a guy who ran a new uh, sports agency in Northampton, a guy called Bob Thomas, who was another magnificent help to me. He um, saw my pictures in the, in the programs and said to Neville, who's doing these pictures, they're pretty good. And he introduced me and about four weeks later, he phoned me and he said, uh, can you come over? So I shot over there to see him and he's got this amazing sort of setup. And I thought, oh, this is all I want to do. Mm. So I took a, 50% pay cut and I went from my lovely comfortable Ford Granada or whatever it was I had working for this because I've become a sales rep by this at this stage for a, the nylon sheet company I went down to a Morris Marina van and within three months I was doing my first international football game in Belgium a World Cup qualifier in Belgium wow. oh wow and yeah so I was off and running basically and never looked back since then yeah yeah, then I joined All Sport in '83, and uh, they gave me the opportunity to um, follow the sports that I wanted to follow. And I loved football, and I loved obviously I loved golf as well. Mm. And um, uh, Bob Thomas, I wasn't able to shoot golf because he was basically all football. And um, yeah, I um, to made the decision to go to All Sport and. By 1986, they'd made me a director, so I was a part owner of the company by then, and the rest is history, as they say. Brilliant. Wow. All sport in its entirety was, uh, was bought out by Getty. Was that an that's interesting right. time exactly, for you? Exactly, yeah, and that's why I'm still at Getty, yeah. And uh, of the other directors, I'm the only one left there now, and um, because I stayed in photography, it was all I wanted to do. Some of the other guys, when we were bought, went into the managing side, and that wasn't for me. All I wanted to do was take pictures, so financially it was much less than what they were earning but i have you know my whole passion is actually taking pictures and hopefully leaving a brilliant legacy to golf that's my (laughs) ambition in life i think you think you very much are doing that yeah getting there (laughs) and when did uh, when did roughly uh golf become a sort of full-time focus with getty yeah well obviously when i joined all sport it was a remit to shoot football because mm. football was where you could make money. Golf wasn't, even though we were just beginning to get major winners in Europe with Seve and Sandy Lyle came along fairly soon afterwards. Um, golf still didn't make an awful lot of money, but it, you were able to shoot both because the golf season would start in May in Britain and 
you know, with the world match play in September, yeah. that would be it. So it kind of dovetailed with the football mm. quite nicely. But now, of course, it's very, very different now. Golf goes 50 weeks of the year, basically, mm. if you want to. I bet the um, explosion of the internet and how things have oh, um, changed it said. Yeah, I, can, I can give you some good examples. You remember my famous picture of Seve in 84? Yeah. Mm. St. Andrews. So bear in mind, I take, I taken that picture on the Sunday evening and originally I wasn't planning to drive back to London to get it processed because we shot slide film in those days and um, there were only uh, there weren't very many labs where you could get slide film processed but we had our, one of our own in the office so I always wanted to get it processed there so um, I decided about nine o'clock in the night in the evening because I knew I'd uh, yeah, even though I wasn't sure because with slide film you had to get the exposure spot on and you had to get the focus because of manual focus in those days. Mm. Uh, but I I knew if I'd done it right, I had got a beautiful picture. So I actually jumped in my car and I drove overnight to London and was sitting on the doorstep of the office waiting for the darkroom manager to come in first thing mm. in the morning. But I still didn't see the films till 10 or 11 o'clock. Wow. You know, and then you had to make copies. So I was probably sending out pictures to the odd magazine that night by post. So they might get them two, three days later. Um, but, um, yeah, you, you compare it to nowadays when you get a big picture on the 18th green, it can be a matter of 90 seconds and it's on, on the web and captioned. Everything's just so different. And the amount of, you know, that sequence of Seve was... Um, Roll of film was 36 pictures. We had cameras that were shot at five frames a second. So possibly seven seconds worth of film was all you had at the time if you kept your finger really? around. Really? Wow. So you don't you didn't have much ammunition. Luckily, I'd put a fresh roll in and um, that pretty much ate up that whole film on that sequence of him. Because if you, if you see it on film, he stood there for quite a long time. I didn't get any pictures of him hugging his caddy because I'd run out of, on the actual <laughs> sequence. But, um, yeah, it's so different now. You can put three or 4,000 pictures on a disc now. And do you think with the, uh, the – talking about the internet, do you think the internet has made um, photojournalism easier or, or harder in terms of profitability? Yeah, the profitability is an interesting one because, um, our, you know, the per-picture value – uh, what I, I was quite involved with it with all sport and i know some figures that get in no, i don't know not party to but i know there's been a massive decrease in the amount of the value per image that we have but the the, the volume of what you're selling the outlets yeah. and the amount of pictures that people eat up if you look at you know these some of these newspaper websites they'll use five six seven eight nine pictures of a golf tournament whereas they would if you were lucky, they'd have used one in the old days. Yeah. And that's on a daily basis. And, you know, so the actual appetite for images is much higher. But I think you, what, what I miss is the big double-page spreads in magazines. That's still yeah. my absolute, you know, front covers and double-page spreads are the things that you miss. There's something Massively about having that, back. that hard copy, no. isn't there, of a, yeah, of yeah. a photo. Yeah. I think it's a great shame yeah, with yeah. iPhones today, is although everyone now has an iPhone and can take pictures when they're out watching golf or whatever, mm. it's very rare that they'll probably take the steps to go and get that developed or get that, that printed out. 
yeah. it's quite a profound yeah. thing i think being able to see those pictures on the wall whether it's in a clubhouse or in a magazine yeah. or yeah yeah and the well, other thing yeah. i suppose the way you know three of us are never going to experience it but i suppose for you you know walking into a news agents and there's your shop on the you know, i used to do that amazing. all the time you know when you went to an airport or whatever before you got on a plane you just buy magazines left right and center <laughs> and you know though i still do every now and again but it, you know even when i was coming back from overseas i'd always buy local golf magazines or whatever but they're you know few and far between now so rolling back a little bit i mean um you have witnessed some of the most amazing golfing moments mm -hmm. and some huge highs and some huge lows and what what moments really stand out for you when you look back at it and think i mean you go through you start with seve obviously i still have not had a moment like that in my career really i never will have because the story with seve is a bit very special to me because by sheer chance when i was a uh, member of the leicestershire golf club and county player and their lowest handicap member i got to play in a pro-am that was held at the leicestershire golf club in 1976 and who do I get drawn with? This is May 1976. Seve Ballesteros was my pro. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a bizarre world, isn't it? That's so that, start, that started my Seve <laughs> worship, basically. He hit that golf ball so far. I can't tell you. You know, it's supposed to be an amazing short game, but his long game was absolutely like I'd never seen in those days. And... Um, you know, to think that less than 10 years later, later, I was probably getting the iconic picture of his career and possibly one of the top iconic pictures of the Open Championship itself. So it's, um, yeah, quite a coincidence. So that, that's still my absolutely favourite moment. But the Ryder Cups have been incredible. And did you, um, uh, did you give him a, a good game that day in that pro hour? <laughs> I think I shot round about 70 from what i remember oh, I, I was good. a good Bloody i was a good yeah. i was a good good putter in those days and uh i i remember him getting quite upset with the where i could i was chipping and putting from let's talk about <laughs> taking your own medicine mate yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um yeah no I, had a, I played a decent round but i don't as a, as a group we didn't do any well any good because you know what pro-ams are like you need a bandit in there absolutely if you haven't got a bandit you and low handicap in pro-ams they're okay if they're you know if they're right on their game but they've got to get half a dozen birdies to make a decent contribution so mm. yeah and you stayed in touch with Seve from that point forward oh absolutely yeah he well not from that point but from uh, the moment i was at I, I first photographed him in 79 the practice rounds in 79 i made a point of trying to find him on the golf course I think I actually found him in the end of the practice ground. That was it. And then um, 81, uh, sorry, 82 was my first actual open championship as a professional photographer. So, you know, there's a lot of Seve pictures from that moment onwards. <laughs> yeah, and he, he became quite a good friend. And um, we had a quite a good sort of a mutual respect for each other in that he would a lot of the time he would ask for me to shoot his commercial shoots, you know, people like Sunderland sportswear and uh, Slazenger. Mm. He actually asked for me to shoot it because he kind of trusted me and that went on a long time. And uh, then of course he got a tattoo on his arm 
of my famous picture <laughs> and i remember going up to him on the practice range <laughs> i saw that and said, david i need some some money for that some royalties yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> artistic artistic rights yeah just a little uh, <laughs> dc underneath no 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 like yeah no 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 <laughs> you should have got the uh you should have got the pen out and signed it i know i would have done if i had half the chance yeah i'm, I'm, I'm not very good at um getting autographs off um off players actually I, I kind of feel a bit uneasy about going up to them and i really regret not having him sign a couple of things or three or four things for me but uh, yeah do you find when you're out traveling and uh, you know attending these events do you ever find there's a, a maybe a tension between your role as, as a photographer and capturing these wonderful moments live for people to see yeah, well, and also well, you're is. more interested in watching you know live sports so with Seve, for instance being yeah. such a, a close friend the 86 masters yeah. when you know you kind of see him maybe yeah. struggle yeah. or falter a bit i Does hated it... that yeah yeah i must be the only person in the world who hates the fact that jack nicholas won that masters <laughs> even though i got a lovely mm -hmm. picture of him on the 17th green and that was one of the yeah. hardest decisions i ever had to make because Seve was going down 15 at the time mm. and uh, whereas jack was coming up 17 and i must have changed direction 10 times when i was deciding oh, really? where to go there luckily i made you know, we can't work inside the ropes, so it's a bit of a lottery there anyway. But being tall, I have a decent advantage there. So, yeah, I managed to find an angle for that putt, and he made a great picture. So, yeah, that was, I guess, a good decision. <laughs> it was Absolutely. very sad. I think, I think you know, Sevi had maybe not had his brother on the bag. I don't know. It's one of those. It's, you know, we'll see. Mm. History will never tell us that one. Yeah, well, one of the most, I mean, that's obviously one of the most dramatic um, Masters probably in history, yeah. really, particularly with Nicholas's run. Well, but there's pl plenty of them, aren't they, the Masters? Yeah. What a tournament. That that back nine never really fails to deliver. Yeah, exactly. In, I mean, you know, how, um, how has Augusta changed, would you say, in terms of your, <sighs> you know, your role as a photographer over the years? Is it seems like they've, they've maybe tightened up restrictions a little bit over the last few years would that be a fair assessment yeah it is well the restrictions have always been there from the word go yeah. not nowhere inside the ropes when i first went there and bear in mind i was a pretty green photographer in 1984 when i did my first masters and um you know i i hadn't really learned the game by any stretch of the imagination by then so I didn't know what I was looking for or the places to go particularly. Um, now I've got a lovely routine and I guarantee I can get some nice pictures every mm -hmm. time I go there. But um, it's so different. You can't, you know, you're not allowed to run. You can't get anywhere. The crossings, because you're not allowed inside the ropes, if you get caught in a certain place with two, two fairway crossings to go over, you can wait 20 minutes to get yeah. across these fairways. So, you know, learning that was, was its own challenge. But they had a lot more of what I would call ugly towers in those days for photographers, which have now all gone, sadly. So we're well and truly minus any vantage points on that golf course outside the ropes. So it's just finding your spots and then using, well, I, try, I think the English accent helps quite a bit and being <laughs> tall. So, um, you know, you just have to be super polite and not get upset when you don't get through and i've had other photographers who go there and absolutely hate being there and um 
I can understand why, because it's really frustrating. You, you know, normally in golf, you're used to being able to get around, but but it also makes the most lovely, clean pictures. You know, you don't see a picture with a mess like the Open Championship in the background or the Ryder Cup, you know, with 100 yeah. people inside the ropes. Mm. So it's got, you know, and hand on heart, I would probably... I'd swap access inside the ropes if we had clear access all the time because the amount of times pitches are spoilt by random bunker rakers or scoreboard carriers or radio reporters or TV Tent reporters. villages and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah wandering yeah. into your backgrounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the most pristine place you've ever seen. And, um, yeah, no, it's an amazing experience. And that was, this year would have been my 37th in a row, so... Wow. Well, hopefully it will still be in November. In November, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. like to think you'd be you'd probably be safe by then. I would have thought. Well, you never know. You never you know. know, you, never do know. You? you never know. But yeah, yeah. you'd like so, to. Um, as, as Tom mentioned, you've you've captured just some of the most iconic moments mm -hmm. in our in our sport over the years. Do you ever get a kind of premonition when you? in a position like you, you take as you mentioned earlier taking the picture of nicholas on the 17th in 86 mm -hmm. or or seve um on the 18th yeah. green there at st andrews when tom watson's still got to come in from behind him do you ever get a kind of yeah. feeling that this might actually be a really really big moment which later kind of turns out to be true you, or yeah you, you definitely get that and also you do make mistakes you know really but yeah yeah, yeah you do miss things because you make a poor decision you go the wrong side of the hole, you know, even though a golf course is a very big or, you know, arena as such, um, you can be, I mean, it's hard to explain to people how two yards can make a difference to the picture that you get in the end of it. You know, you literally two from sitting in one place to being six feet to your right can make the difference between getting an epic picture and being blocked by a caddy or blocked by something. Mm. So it's a, it's a bit of a lottery, and it's just trying to, uh, you know, combine getting in the right spot, thinking about what might happen, always expect the worst thing to happen or the best thing, you know. So yeah. it's, and then you've just got to, you know, hope that it happens towards you. I've got a lot of pictures of people's backsides when they win tournaments. <laughs> like yeah, tiger woods yeah. last year yeah, yeah. <laughs> which turned out to be you know the most i love that picture one. i actually it's brilliant i actually it? love that love that picture craig with the, stadler with craig in the background stadler, exactly. yeah, <laughs> the only one who's not I, smiling <laughs> I, th I think he makes the picture in every sense so yeah 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 do you ever find it um difficult if you're in a position and you you have got set up and you think this is it and then something maybe obstructs your shot or something and you think you know, I need to get over there. But if I go over there, I'm going to upset the know, player. I'm 50, 50% chance I'm going to miss the shot. You know, do you, how do you cope oh, yeah. with those situations? Do you just well, stick through your guns? I, and I think you just have to, you know, you know when you've got to make the move, basically, because if you have this feeling, you've just got to get to a certain spot because that is going to be the position. And um, so I will make a qualified decision to try and sprint or move yes you know, shuffle along on my knees basically trying not to put a player off but um yeah so i try and do that but you just have to accept it if you can't get there you know because things are going to happen and that's i mean experience has brought me that you just have to just oh god you know that's it 
right you can't get it can't get it back and it's a bit like when you play golf you hit a bad shot there's nothing you can do about it that shot's gone you know yeah. you have a 10 second rule always when i was cutting for my boy and he was playing amateur golf and I, we used to have this 10 second rule about a shot and that was it we just <laughs> did not talk about a bad bounce or whatever is your eldest son he's um challenge yeah. tour is that right? yeah challenge tour yeah well he's How, on south, getting on well, south african tour actually he plays on the sunshine tour he's done three years yep. down in, in south africa Brilliant. He's, had a, he's had two second places and a third no wins that's the big issue but um still pretty good yeah. he's a good player yeah much better than i ever was <laughs> so just jumping back a little bit um were you there to witness the uh, van der Velde? yes that was a great another another epic moment um were you um we i imagine you sort of squirreled your way down to somewhere near the green did you yeah. have to kind of then work your way backwards is uh what happened well, we were, well you know the rna that was 99 so that was the peak of the tiger mania as i call it when our lives had changed forever because when tiger came on the scene up till then it was pretty civilized being at an open championship and mm. you know you could within reason you could go where you wanted but tiger brought his own um, form of chaos with him so we were very restricted that year and um there was a, a certain uh, i wouldn't say <laughs> it's hard to describe him but a very strict schoolmaster who looked after the media basically and um he worked for the rna and he was you know championship secretary for the rna and i remember to this day him screaming at the top of his voice saying stop those bloody photographers because <laughs> we really? all yeah we broke ranks completely from behind this rope that they had <laughs> where we had it penned in at the back of the 18th green we just ran for this the bank of the barry burn and um, there's no way that you know and michael banalek afterwards said to me he said you know what that is history and you're there get, getting history and that was such a nice comment and he said don't worry about it you know he, he had to get it and mm. uh, and he made a great he looked straight at me but one of the pictures i've got he's looking straight at me with that sort of soft grin in his face you know to think mm. i'm in deep shit here <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, how, how uh, deep can i dig Oh, that was just so awful to witness, wasn't it? I mean, that, without a doubt, that and the other Open Championship that will stick with me and forever I'll be feel robbed, basically, was when Tom Watson didn't win at Turnbury in 2009. Yeah, mm. that was criminal. Wasn't it? I've never come away from a golfing event feeling so low as I did from that one. And really? uh, in yeah. every sense, yeah, because you know that story would have been so 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 unique and the other side of it is westwood who's a really good friend you know he threw it away as well and mm. you know two of them who would have been yeah watson i wanted to win obviously but yeah it, that was a bad one <laughs> yeah is there a moment there where you're kind of thinking yeah you talk a lot about you know, focusing on the eyes and getting a picture of the eyes, especially in those situations, the eyes must obviously tell such a story in terms of heartache and that kind of thing. Yeah. But capturing it on film for the world to see, is, it, is there, are you sometimes hard. thinking, oh, this could be quite brutal actually for this person when they wake up, you know, the day yeah. after losing the open and, and seeing a picture of themselves 
yeah kind of in that frame of mind as it were yeah well i mean that, it was hard there wasn't really a definitive picture of watson because he you know he's that sort of person isn't he he wouldn't show his emotions mm. but i the picture that brings it in to me is when St- um stuart sinks holding the open trophy the, the claret jug and he's looking down at the claret jug and watson's peering over his shoulder with a smile on his mm. face and i'm thinking you know that says so much about tom watson in that moment mm, yeah that he's able to do that so yeah so that's probably the moment for the for, for that tournament for me yeah definitely. sticking on um sticking on the open have you got a, a favorite open championship venue yeah, so it's a tricky one. Um, up till last year, Turnbury was without a shadow of doubt my favourite. Uh, and yeah. I think the changes that Trump organisation have made to Turnbury are so sensational. And the course is now, you know, steroids better than it was before yeah. in every sense. And it's screaming to have the Open Championship there. But we you know for obvious reasons we won't be seeing it there for a while yet. Um, but um, I thought Port Rush last year was very, very, very close to it because just the atmosphere, you know, the way that Ireland took to having the have Northern Ireland and Ireland as a whole took to having the Open yeah. Championship back on its shores, and you know, Lowry winning was just epic, basically. Yeah. And yeah, the way, yeah. way the crowd broke through on 18 again, finally, mm. they beat the health and safety rules. <laughs> <laughs> and they broke through again. Because to me, that's so much part of the Open. Yeah, mm. oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 And it, it reminded me so much of Seve breaking through the crowds in 79, Watson in 84 at, at Birkdale. Faldo so, and Tiger as well. At, at yeah, Faldo at St. Andrews, oh. exactly, yeah. And you know that does it hasn't happened for a long time now. So yeah, only the Irish were going to do that. I was pretty convinced that was going to happen if they had the right winner, <laughs> and it sure did. Yeah, are there many courses out there that you find quite challenging to capture? Or maybe do like I don't know whether it's a case of undulation. Do you think that's something? Yeah. That, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, why Augusta is such a brilliant place to go and take photos is because yeah. it's got so much undulation and vivid kind well, of I think, I think I think funnily enough Wentworth's a hard course you know the west course at Wentworth the Burma mm. Road or whatever they call it nowadays um, mm. I think that that is purely because the trees are so tall and the light is so tricky and it, yeah. it's kind of the wrong way around you know golf courses to us you know the light is the key thing for when I'm working and it's backlit all the way from the 12th hole to the clubhouse in an afternoon at Wentworth. So you're always fighting against this difficult light. Whereas, you know, I go to somewhere like uh, the Emirates Golf Club, which I've been to every one of those desert classics. And um, there's not an easier golf course in the world to work on. It's a square kilometre. You know, the two nines link up beautifully. And there's what I call two studios on both nines morning and afternoon so it's just like fill your boots so you know it's amazing golf course for me but you've got some pretty cool shots there as well haven't you from the evolution just charting the evolution oh yeah amazing yeah the 80s to where it is now it's the aerial photographs i've got it's just an amazing thing to have yeah 
So, and it's you know, UAE as a whole to me has been an amazing marketplace for me. So, and it's amazing golf, the quality of it that uh, you know out there is just so stunning. Yeah, God knows what, what this COVID's going to do to that area. I don't know. Yeah, what's the um? What does the schedule look like now? I mean, are you quite sort of selective in terms of the events that you you go and? Yeah, I've slowed at? down a bit. You know, I'm mid sixties now, so um, the old body, as I say, doesn't manage more than about two weeks in a row out on, on tournaments. But then I, you know, I love photographing the courses as well. So mm. there's plenty of that to do. So um, I, I, I usually finish up to twenty three, twenty four tournaments a year various descriptions the four majors one or two world golf championships a couple of women's majors rider cups walker cups curtis cups i always try and do those three you know the walker cups curtis cups just because i love amateur golf and the walker cup to me of all the things i wanted to play in in my life the walker cup was the would have been the one for me is that the one the one ambition that that got away well that was my first ambition Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as an amateur in those days, you know, I was, you know, I played a lot of golf with Peter McAvoy, who was just an amazing golfer. Mm. And, uh, you know, how he didn't turn pro, I don't know. But, you know, that's, he just felt in his own, in, in himself that he wouldn't, you know, like the life playing professional golf. But he was such a good player. And you know, I played quite a bit with Sandy Lyle as he, when he was an amateur. Uh, you know, I played in the same tournaments as Faldo when he was an amateur. And in fact, it was playing in the British Youth panel in, I think it was 75, that I finally made my decision. I said, you know, you've had two and a half years of bashing it out on these um, amateur events. So I'd got, I had a top 20 in the Brabazon, a couple of other decent results and, and, uh, eighth in the British use and I was just at a point where I was beginning to think I'm not quite going to make it and then when you see Faldo play that 18th hole at panel like he did four days in a row and I'm, I'm wobbly knees on the tee with a five iron and he's up there with a driver yeah. you know <laughs> and knocking it onto the green two days out of four I'm thinking okay <laughs> this is not the game for me so uh, I played a bit of county golf after that still but you know that was the real moment i think that things went south for me on the golf side and there wasn't there wasn't coaching like there is nowadays yeah i I suffered from a bad case of quick hooks for about 18 months and i mean wicked quick hooks and Mm. um you know you probably could have got that coached out of you now pretty easily but in those days it was a lot tougher i think do you still get a chance to um to play now uh, I, I play a little bit, a little bit. Um, I want to play a little bit more. So um, hopefully I'm going to get a chance to play a bit more later this year, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, so, well, I guess um, when you see when you see these incredible courses and you travel to, oh, to oh, yeah. these amazing destinations, do you ever sort of take do, the clubs along oh, or, yeah, always or, take, or try always and get take, out around? I always take clubs with me, so um, they're oh, always brilliant. there. Yeah, yeah. Even if I just play nine holes. I mean, you know, mm. in the old days, I used to always play in the Monday afternoon, cause we, Monday after, because we used to, as in the majors, we used to be, get a game usually on the Monday after a tournament in America, mm-hmm. whether yeah. it's PGA, US Open, or Augusta, you go in the draw. And, um, yeah, I used to always long to play those courses, and I played quite a few of them. 
and then um, you know nowadays I get so stiff after four days going up and down those hills at Augusta if I tried to play on the Monday afterwards it wouldn't be a very good sight so yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you mentioned uh, earlier on that um, you mentioned the Ryder Cup in your uh, you must have been there at all the the, the memorable occasions the Ryder Cups have done and obviously Medina mm. stands out in modern years um, mm-hmm. which which ones of the Ryder Cups have been your favorite photograph and have you got any stories so my my first official one was 85 at the Belfry so that's obviously an incredible one to start off with mm. I mean I was supposed to go to the 83 one but uh, my superiors at all sports because that was my first year at all sport said uh, we're a bit short of money this month we're going to have to pull your ticket so i got lobbed off going to the first one which is in palm in uh, west palm so um i never forgave them for that by the way but luckily <laughs> we didn't win it so luckily but it was so close and then um mm. it obviously came to the belfry and uh, yeah there was a great picture i got a lovely picture of sam when he held the winning putt so that's obviously one of my iconic rider cup pictures and then from that moment onwards, the iconic, the Ryder Cup just blew up. I mean, I think there were 30 photographers in total at that Ryder Cup, literally. And the tent was quite small and very civilized. And, you know, shoot your rolls of color film. Might have shot 30 rolls in total the whole week. Mm. You know, now they're just, well, up till two years ago, I was the official photographer for the European team. So they were full on heavy weeks. I kind of retired out of that role. So um, I kind of do my own thing now at Ryder Cups, which is photographically, it's brilliant for me. I miss mm. I miss being allowed in the team room and being part of the teams, but I've seen some amazing moments, you know, off the course, let alone on the course in a Ryder Cup. Yeah, so it's been, well, it's, it's the most fantastic event, isn't it? I mean, it, it in golfing terms, yeah. I, th- I think the majors are the pure pinnacles. You know, the Masters, the Open. I think the Open's still the one is number one for me. And then the Masters, photographically, because it's such a beautiful place to take pictures. But they're, they're, all four of them have got so much importance in people's careers and everything else. That, but then the Ryder Cup, for some reason, every two years is now, and it's global as well. You know, you don't you think because it's not involving the mm. South Africans, the Australians or whatever, they are absolutely glued to the Ryder Cup. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know. produ- it just seems to produce so much raw emotion. Um, oh. And mean, the pressure, get... the pressure yeah, of yeah. playing it. Just, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just cannot imagine some of the shots that those guys hit under pressure is just amazing. Are there, uh, are there any dressing room stories that are acceptable for a podcast? Yeah, I mean, you know, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, Poulter, you know, the Sunday, uh, the Saturday night at Medina was pretty incredible in that yep. locker room because that locker room had they had tin lockers. You know, I don't know whether they've been to American country clubs, but some of them mm. still have the old fashioned tin lockers and right. the noise in there, the door slamming mm-hmm. and the fist pumping. And after he'd done that, you know, th- oh, that yeah. was electric in there. Yeah. So yeah. That, that that was an amazing. And then it, obviously on the Sunday night after they'd won in there was absolutely epic as well. And, you know, um, Ollie was just absolutely totally in tears. You know, he could not speak 
mm. for about well, it's a special for special oh. for several reasons, isn't it? I mean, the yeah. comeback alone, but also yeah. with the it Sevi coming, thing. you know, with yeah, the Sevi yeah. sort of legacy yeah. and wearing yeah. all blue. Yeah. Did you, yeah. um, I'm guessing, you were still part of the the team photographer mm-hmm. at that moment in time. Did you get a sort of sense the night before that you were kind of on the eve of something special? Well, I think you know, Poulter lit the touch paper basically. Yeah, that last nine holes on the Saturday evening, mm. it was astonishing. And you, you, know, you Talk forget about having eyes to photograph. He's probably yeah. got some of the most uh, distinct <laughs> yeah. eyes. Yeah. They're almost coming out yeah. of his head, aren't I they? I was in the wrong spot for that. Most of those moments on that back nine. Yeah. There's the thing when you work in a group of photographers, as we do. You know, there were probably mm. six of us, of which four of us were on that match or whatever. You ha- you can't be in the same place as another guy, so you have to kind of yeah. divide it up, and that all depends where you're walking and how you're setting yourselves up. So you just have to work as a team. But yeah. uh, you know, since I've sort of changed my role a little bit in the last couple of years, I can go back to shooting where I want to because I'm and, working um, individually. And when you were obviously involved with the, uh, the European team for Medina, mm. um, were you part of the? Uh, the concerned when Rory hadn't showed up for his tea time was that got round to you? Of, yeah, it got round to us. Yeah, because we're all on the radio and they're all saying Rory hasn't turned up. You know, <laughs> that's then, a bit of a panic, wasn't it? I, I kind of knew that he was going to win, and that's one of the one of the best pictures I got from that whole Ryder Cup was him with an alarm clock hanging around his neck after it all finished. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's just great. <laughs> and. um Moving on to the to the, the ladies' side of the game, you've obviously covered is it all the Solheim Cups. Everyone, yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, the, the latest one from a European side is was oh, just incredible best. at Glen Eagles. Yeah. yeah, it's the best one, I think. Was it? How yeah. difficult was it to shoot there? Because it looked absolutely rammed on that last day on the 18th. How yeah, it, to get it was difficult, but um, I don't know. The, the, the Glen Eagles is, is a great, that golf course is a great golf course to shoot on because you've got elevation and slopes and things so you can get away with it. And I mean, I got lucky. I was just literally in the middle of that scrum right underneath, underneath Katrina. And I can't remember who I said to, to get her on her shoulders, you know, get her up there. I was trying to tell them. And so <laughs> they, they, eventually, they, they lifted her onto the shoulders and that was to me was the best picture. But then one of my colleagues who is um, Andy Reddington, he was, he was just, stood at the back of the green on that slope and he's got a fantastic picture that i would love to have got actually looking down on the melee with her in the middle of it so um you know wow. yeah it, that's the thing you can't be in all every place at once but uh, and how was the atmosphere there it looked electric uh, yeah well it was just changed so quickly i mean I, I talked to katrina on that 18th hole probably 15 minutes before that that game came up petterson's game came up there and she was saying, oh, it's so close, such a shame. And I was saying, oh, there's still, <laughs> still an inkling. And her husband was saying, yes, yes, there's definitely a chance here. And, um, yeah, and then it all happened in within 12 seconds, wasn't it? The two putts went in 12 seconds apart. Yeah. And uh, luckily it was Peterson's that counted, not, <laughs> not the other one. So we were in the right place. It's <laughs> a fairy tale, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. So and that, what a great story. I mean, for Suzanne, you know, the last shot she's going to hit in a competitive career. Amazing. And she was a bit of, uh, she would be the polter of the women's game. Yeah. Changing tack just slightly. Um, mm-hmm. Technology must have changed enormously mm-hmm. through your career. 
Um, do you think it's changed the way that you photograph? Ooh. Yes and no. I mean, I sh yeah, well, I was still shooting film till 2002. It wasn't till 2002 that Canon came up with a digital camera that basically did the job for us and got certain quality. And most of all, it was um, eight frames a second, the motor drives, whereas the original digital cameras were only one or two frames a second. So that was a big issue for sports photography. Then when that came in, it allowed us to shoot basically as we had been shooting film. Yeah. Um, but then these recent cameras, you know, the last generation that we've had them for nearly four years now, I cannot, cannot describe. It's almost like cheating yeah. using yeah, yeah. those cameras compared to the original a film cameras and, uh, and the original digital cameras they are so clever so good so sharp so fast you know so it's it's made yeah. a lot of people able to get good quality pictures so you've still got to be the eye to get something different do you think that saturates the market a bit because yeah. a lot of the art has been taken out sort of but i tell you what if you still get a different picture it shows up a mile yeah it really does. It still stands out. And in the beauty of what we do, we, we capture split seconds. You know, we're not covering a whole event. Every image that we take is a split second of life history, mm. basically. Yeah. And that just sits there in front of you. It's so different to the video. Yeah, I guess that's one of the, the unique aspects of golf in a way is that there's a lot of time between shots and it, yeah. it goes from a split second of, you know, hitting the ball to yeah. maybe a lot of time brewed over it or a lot of time, yeah. you know, in your case, to capture the emotion in the Yeah, in the and then it's also walking um, between shots, you know. Yeah. So that's, you know, physically to get around a golf course is something else compared to a football match or a tennis tournament. And mm. in terms of equipment, sort of, stuff you're carrying now is that um i don't know if you could just briefly just talk us through how much you've got on you as you carry on because we see well, you sort of on whether we see you on tv and you've at yeah. least got two shoulder straps and, yeah, yeah i've got two cameras i always um, have two cameras sometimes for the final round i'll take three so i'd have my big telephoto which is a 600 mil and that's it's all canon so a 600 mil um and then i'd have a, a zoom lens which would be 70 to 300 so that's covering you know 70 to 600 basically and then a couple of wide angle lenses super wide 16 to 35 and then a, a uh, 24 70 so i've got everything covered from 16 mm. mil base 15 mil so um yeah and then spare batteries because the cameras tend to eat batteries so we uh, carry them and that's it basically but it's heavy it's still mm. the best best part of 30 kilos the do, whole you, do, you get the, do you get the privilege of a a caddy or a runner no, no. all year no, <laughs> well, funnily enough augusta they allow us runners okay. <laughs> really? because we're outside the ropes but they're all local boys so we have the, we've had i've had the same guy for about 15 years now i had two basically in my career there and they've both been brilliant so um yeah, my 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 uh, you know Sherpas for the week. Um, it's mm -hmm. nice, but then when we're doing other tournaments, when you're inside the ropes, it's um, it's difficult because they can get in the way. 
if they're not right beside you and know what they're doing, they don't, they can't give you the right bits of kit and you know. So I find that I find I just like do it myself. <laughs> if you had um, someone that come to you and say, you know, I'm looking again into sports photography, yeah. um, what sort of advice would you be given in terms of how to go about a kit to sort of get into and you know? Yeah, well, I think that the sport to learn on is football because it's readily available. You know, you can go down to the park, you can go anywhere to learn how to shoot football photography. And it's also incredibly difficult because the games are so unpredictable. You have no idea where that ball's going to go on that pitch other than there's a corner kick or a penalty kick or a free kick. It's the only chance you've got of it actually knowing where it's going to originate from or, you know, a corner kick can be an in-swinger, out-swinger, or you can... Other than that, you've got to be right on your toes all the time. And, you know, certainly when I was learning on manual cameras, if you could shoot football, you'd shoot any sport in the world. There's no doubt in my mind. So, and I still think that's true to this day. If you can shoot good quality football pictures, you will be able to shoot any sport in the world. Yeah, and obviously camera-wise, you know, a telephoto lens is very important. Um, you know, the cameras are very, very good nowadays, but I still like using the six hundred mil because it gives you no background; it blows the background out of focus, so you really isolate the subject, and I think that gives us such a lovely effect. And you know, that's back to my um, color slide film days. That's what I tried to do. Mm. The picture of Seve is a classic example. You know, if you look at him, the only thing in focus in that picture is Seve. Yeah. Yeah. If you do, if you you know concentrate on doing that, I think you'll you'll be doing very well. And you've got to love the sport. You know, my thing is I love sport from the word go. Everything I've ever done in my life has been sport. And you know, golf has been the biggest part of it. But I think. You know, if anybody came to me wanted to go, oh, I fancy doing a bit of golf photography. I said, well, do you like golf? Be the first question. Yeah. Not not whether you're taking any pictures, you know, because it's you funny. Need, you need the knowledge, you need the passion. A, that and B, you know, we have we've have we have some uh, you know other outs not other Getty or all sport guys used to come to golf tournaments, and after the first day, they said, how the hell do you do this every day of the week? You know. And I said, because oh, I love golf, you know. And they look yeah. at you, look at you, gone out, and they just say, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> takes so long, you know, because the day is well, it can be six thirty in the morning till nine thirty at night at the open. And that's a pretty yeah. long day. Yeah, that is a that is a long day. And yeah. are you there in the earlier in the week as well with the practice days, or is yeah, I tend to take tend to take it easy nowadays. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the Open they still don't let, allow them to wear shorts on the practice days, but that's made life a bit easier on the European Tour And because uh, if they're wearing shorts, it's not very valuable long-term, the pictures. So right. I tend to quite try and avoid those, you know, so you, mm-hmm. or you shoot top half only. Speaking right. in terms of uh, clothing, has the commercialization of um, golf hindered your ability to take photographs like specifically with like headwear and you talking about yeah, I mean, focusing on the eyes yeah, I mean, you know if you look at my folio my portfolio of my best 20 pictures I, I you know you'd have to say that the four or five of them that stand out are still taken in the 80s when the people were when the golfers weren't wearing hats 
you know, focus on the eyes. If they're under a visor, under a hat, you can't see them. You can't see the person, person's personality. And one of the things about those great pictures of Seve is that you could see his personality in it. And uh, that's part of that is he's not wearing a hat. You know, Nicholas, when he won in 86, not wearing a hat. You know, some of the best pictures of Montgomery, yeah. not wearing a hat. So Norman as well, I guess. Yeah, well, he used to carry it off, didn't he? Because that straw hat, he kind of was up and up, isn't he? Thing. So, but nowadays, you know, some of the Steve Stricker. Oh my goodness, lovely, 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 lovely man. But you'd never ever see his eyes. He's like this. Mm. You know, you don't see him at all. Who in the modern game do you think? uh, Who who in the modern game do you enjoy sort of photographing? I know in the past you've talked about Seve and Norman being pretty exciting characters to follow is there anyone who sticks out rory every time yeah i think he's the best best i've seen out there you know please uh, ricky fowler yes and no but he's a bit commercialized but he's still a super guy and i think you know he played one of the best rounds of golf i've seen in the open championship in my life at st george's mm-hmm. on that saturday in that gale 20, down there. 2011 yeah and i saw him hit shots that i we were just unique in those you know low draws hit under the wind running 80 yard shots and i just thinking oh, he's got a game he, he could win round win an open championship one of my final questions well sadly yeah. was going to be who who do you fancy um for the That's open but sadly yeah. we're, sadly we're not going to be there um, no, I know. so i get well like, we can do the next best which would have been um who do you fancy for the masters in november i think you're probably talking about him a second ago yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I'm looking. I, yeah, I can't wait to see what Augusta looks like in autumn. Those trees could be the most amazing colours you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah, and you know, we're talking second week in November yeah. down there. That is absolutely the peak. It's like they picked it. Can't we can't have the we can't have the flowers. We're going to have autumn colours instead. Which I guess for you yeah, is um, it's probably not a bad compromise because it's oh yeah I can't wait gonna... can't wait to see that yeah. golf course at a different time <laughs> yeah. of the year as long as I can get there please God well yeah. those images of Augusta in November are going to be unique, unique. one once yeah. in a generation yeah totally yeah and that makes amazing history and that's what I'm there about that's what I'm there for yeah you mentioned earlier about you want to leave a legacy in golf and it seems like you you've pretty much already done that and, and achieved all that there is in golf photography are there any more ambitions that, that you want that you have to sort of fulfill yeah in sport? I, you know i've done 37 masters in a row 38 opens if i can get to where those two add up to 100 i think i'll have done a pretty you know that's my target that's incredible yeah that which would be, would be something else exactly. i mean i'm yeah. nearly at 200 majors now if you take women's majors as well i've done 120 men's and 72 women's majors so you're not far off doing the 200 majors can you still separate them in your mind well no, there's the, so many tournaments yeah yeah kind of i mean there's a lot of majors that you know just blend into the fact that you, you have to look at look at look up winners mm. but yeah. um you know certain certain courses pebble beach is pretty unique i love shinnecock for the US Open. The PGA, I was looking forward to going to Harding Park. I was there for the President's yeah. Cup. So I've seen that okay. there. And uh, that's a nice venue. It's gonna That would give mm. us di- different pictures. But 
I don't know. Scheduled, when, isn't it? Yeah, but August. Mm, I don't think there's many crowds there. Well, I don't know. You never yeah, know. Yeah, do you think with Americans? Do you think that could make for for quite sort of strange photos in a way, having just the golfers and no. I know you talked a lot about you know making sure the background's right, but if there's no yeah. crowd there, do yeah. you think that will kind of take away from the drama? Yeah, it will. I think it'd be absolutely. There'll be not non-events, but I think the whole things will be so different. Mm. You know, I think the players will. I it will be, but I think the players will struggle to, to, yeah, not get up for it, but to, you know, you'd you'd find it hard, wouldn't you? I think as mm. a player, absolutely. I mean, some of your most iconic photographs, like the Seve fist pump in '84, yeah. and the necklace at the Masters with the putter yeah. in there, they they're celebrating what they're doing, but. Yeah. ultimately they're playing to the crowd and they yeah know, we they're, look they're at tiger last year crowd. jesus christ you know yeah. <laughs> you'll never get a moment like that will you no. you know the way that crowd reacted in the background to my picture and yeah yeah uh, polter won't look the same without a crowd so no no and then the rider cup what's going to happen to the rider cup <laughs> Yeah, it's just mm. it's just affected yeah. the whole qualification yeah. process. Yeah, and I, I, have, and the, I don't I have no idea yeah. why they haven't just said let's have it next year and just put everything back a year on the Ryder Cup. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've done it before. I can't see any reason for not doing that. And then it's um, but there we go. Yeah, it's very very strange times indeed. Yeah. But um, thank thank you so much for that's right. for coming on the podcast, okay. David. And, yeah. And, being so generous with your time yeah thank you so much you've been so generous with your time david thank you for coming on you've been great That's thank you right. so much and, um, and stay safe yeah. stay well and uh, right. we'll see you on the golf course hopefully, soon, we'll hopefully. See you on the golf course maybe down at rye next yeah. winter again hopefully. hopefully next january hopefully that's yeah. that stays in the, uh, in the calendar yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right yeah. brilliant cheers david thanks, thank david. you all right. All right. thank you bye-bye Watch this